This is the Mealtime Magic and Mayhem podcast. I'm Trisha Clark, your host, cooking coach, and kitchen mentor. We're here to talk about all things food, wine, travel, cocktails, and mealtime memories. So many memories are made around the table. We all know mealtime can be stressful, full of chaos and mayhem, but it's also the universal connector, a catalyst for communication and connection, and a time to create magic and memories. So many of our memories are tied to food, and I can't wait to share some of those stories with you here. I'm here to share ideas, inspiration, and stories to help you experience mealtime with a dash of magic and just a sprinkle of mayhem. You can expect new episodes weekly, including a mixture of interviews, personal stories, and some fun conversations about our adventures and misadventures in the kitchen and around the table. I hope you walk away feeling inspired to try something new in your kitchen or around your table to create more connection with your friends, family, and beyond. Thanks for being here. Hey there, Mealtime Magic and Mayhem listeners. Welcome to another episode. Today, we are talking about something a little bit different when it comes to food. I have Glenda Jung here. She is an energy healer and spiritual mentor. Her spiritual journey started over 20 years ago, which she credits for supporting her past careers in neuroscience and cybersecurity. Glenda is passionate about guiding empaths and sensitive souls to demystify underlying energetic currents, impacting how they think, feel, and show up in life. Glendy's work focuses on teaching empaths and wellness practitioners how to create harmony using our innate energetic awareness and higher dimensional energy skill sets. Her work helps stop energy leaks and plug emotional drains so they can show up fully in their work and their relationship. So I know you've mentioned that your favorite food is a giant bowl of perfectly al dente pasta with a sumptuous sauce and sides of vegetables. That sounds absolutely amazing. And we're both carbitarians, as I prefer to call us. I love a perfectly executed carb as well. You'll hear me say I love carbs and cocktails quite frequently. <laughs> Good so, combo. <laughs> I'm excited to have this conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Glendy. Thanks for having me, Tisha. All right. So I love to start every interview with a fun question, and they're not all food related. I think these are just super fun and helping us get to know people in different ways. So if you were moving and you could only take three items, what would they be? Wow. Three items. Let's see. Definitely one of my tensor ring, which I don't have it within reach. Sometimes I do actually, which is actually an energy tool. It looks like a crown. I usually wear it and hide it under my hat. Nobody would knows, but a perfect companion for airplanes, for going to the city or just simply recharging. So that's one. Instapot. Instapot, Instapot, Instapot. Or it could be somewhere between an Instapot or those immersion blender. Oh, that's, yeah, a, that's tough a tough choice. One. My recent trips, I actually took both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, make sure we have both. And the last one, let's see. The last one's a little tougher. Well, um, you've got something to protect your energy. You've got something yeah. to feed your belly. Yeah. Um, water filter. Water filter. Great choice. Yeah. Great choice. Okay. Those are great. I like those. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the questions here. So I really love it if you could share a little bit about how your background in neuroscience and cybersecurity has influenced your work in vibrational wellness. I think that's a really interesting transition from something that seems more tangible to things that we think of as more intangible, right? So how do you yeah. seemingly connect these two very different worlds? Yeah, it's kind of 
funny that how I started my life. I'm a sci-fi nerd. <laughs> I study science in college. I did tons of research. I'm talk about with animals in the laboratories, like in those, you know, what you can imagine a science doing with those little pipe pets and like lab coats and the glasses, you name it, I've done that. <laughs> and yes, I do have papers in my name. And it's funny, I'm, I'm a little bit jaded actually doing through the scientific process, because a lot of times the reason why some certain research is done has to do with how it interrelated to existing research already done. And also for me, I mean, I have worked with lots of animals. And one of my party jokes I would say is like, if you name a brain, I have sliced it. <laughs> and yes. So <laughs> that's funny because my party trick is like, name that tune, but yours is like, give me a brain and I've dissected it. That's the- <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. It's a little grim over there, but perfect for like Scorpio is my sign. So that's totally perfectly matched. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit jaded from the perspective of like, what is really what we consider a science and how it's being executed based on interrelated with the ideology of it, the philosophy of it, as, as well as actual day-to-day reality ties into the socio norm. And I took my scientific method and the aspirations into technology. That's my next world for like for better part of 17 years. Uh, I was in the technology world, in the uh, very masculine world, in Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies, actually supporting many of them's insurance companies, banking, pharmaceuticals, and, and a lot of like big industry that you have considered successful. But it is during this time that while I was in these very very uh, uh, grounded, for lack of a better word, right? That industry that for deep into the matrix, if you will, what supported me personally, both energetically and just spiritually, I guess I didn't even realize at the time, was all the pursuits on the weekends and my all my vacations are completely spent on recovering myself. And it's all has to do with um, spiritual studies, a lot of very esoteric and healing practices or retreats. So if anything, that's what keep me alive, maintaining the way that I was able to handle the the, the corporate world. It's actually it's all the other stuff that I absolutely cannot talk about <laughs> during the day-to-day, right? Facing clients mm-hmm. in the normal world. Yeah. I really relate to that because I work in that corporate environment during the day. And then this cooking business is really my passion business outside of that. So I can so relate to that whole, the masculine and feminine energy part of it, but also like, this is the way you're supposed to show up, right? And there's not really a lot of blending of the two in a lot of cases. Yeah, absolutely. And I think more people beginning to recognize that there's the parts that we need to honor, even though that we have play a certain role in life. Um, Mm -hmm. Hopefully the more that we're able to show up in the way that how it's onerous. And a big part of it is also shedding what we have been conditioned to what is good, what is proper, what is respectful, what makes money. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So true. So true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you help empaths and wellness practitioners create harmony using energetic awareness and higher dimensional energy skill sets. Can you elaborate on how understanding energy can benefit individuals in their everyday lives, including professional work and relationships? Yeah. Uh, I think finally science caught up to the spiritual world and sometimes even finally catching up to like thousands of traditions of the meditations and, and the Buddhist world, which whichever traditions you counted on, the idea of everything is energy. Whether it's this physical body that we think of as so solid, mm-hmm. it's actually, you know, it's all just vibrating cells, atoms. So is the chair that you're sitting on, the table you're touching, but also your thoughts. Your emotions, 
the pain that you might be feeling somewhere in your back. So those are all just moving energy. And especially for those who are empathic, something that a lot of people are just simply born with, but may not even have those labels. There are people who are naturally picking up thoughts, like they're like a sponge. They're just simply in an environment where will they feel people's pain or sadness or annoyance or jealousy or anger. They may not know it's theirs. They just kind of shift mood and just like all of a sudden in a bad mood or they don't feel so great. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because we had an experience many years ago and my husband had a cousin or an uncle that passed away. And my Mm -hmm. son, our son was, gosh, I want to say he was probably five or six. Mm -hmm. He didn't know really anybody there outside of like our immediate family but he just sobbed the whole time. And you could tell Mm. that he just was picking up on and feeling what everybody else in the room, it was really heavy for him. Um, And that's one of the most distinct scenarios I can think of where I've always known that I'm that way, but to see it in him and it just kind of become in him, not even know how to manage it yet and how overwhelming it really is interesting how you can walk into a room and it's not just that emotional piece, right? You can walk into a room and think like, Ooh, It just doesn't feel good in here. Like it's angsty or angry or, you know, you can just Mm -hmm. tell when the energy is off. And I feel like most people can to some extent, but then as you talk about empaths, they can absorb it and then not really know how to deal with it or maybe not even realize it's not theirs. Absolutely. And uh, I'm hoping that this concepts will become more familiar, just as, you know, how in old days, like emotions are bad, like, you know, like you need to be professional. So so there's a lot of, even those really small impulses of ours, whether it's just the the way that our body gives messages or the way that like your son and your experience of really like, really feeling the toss around of actually what everybody's feeling. And it is really hard for the empaths and for those who felt it, even though they don't have those labels, because they can be lashing out to people on thoughts and emotions and ideas that's not theirs. Mm-hmm. They could be harboring pain in the body that's absolutely not theirs. And to some of the extremes, for certain reason, there are certain people that are even very easily picking up not just emotions that we think of with others, but also there are so many different categories of energies in the environment that can be quite detrimental to us. Like just think of somebody working in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. So not only is there, you know, despair, sufferings, but there's literally ghosts and spirits and other things like yeah. that. And so, illness. yeah, exactly. So all those things can really affect someone. And unless you are conscientious of how to transmute it, and that's actually one of empath's job and specialty is to be able to transmute the energy. But unless they know how to do it or they learn how to do it, they chances are feel like they're in a cyclone all the time, mm-hmm. or they have in roller coasters of how they show up in clients, they may be passing on some of these things to others. Oh, interesting. To the clients. Yeah. And also if they are, and a lot of empaths obviously have professions that are perhaps in the situation that are very nurturing for health coaches, uh, wellness practitioners, uh, yoga teachers, mm-hmm. and you name it. And it doesn't even have to be anything special profession, but we do with people, right? Yeah. Day to day, we're trying to you know help someone in whatever profession we do, and we pick up stuff from the other parties. And a lot of times, people get drained and upset and can't stay in their job. They want to quit. I have so many examples of acupuncturists that about ten year mark, they are like they're fried, and they don't necessarily know that that is because they absorb too much of the stuff 
coming off of needle? What do you think coming oh, out the, on the other side of the needle? I've never right? even thought about that. Exactly. And a lot of acupuncturists kind of get burnt out unless they know how to match energy, apply the right things for them to transmute their energies and shift the burden. Okay. Which is, I'm assuming, partially why you really focus on those wellness practitioners because they have more of an opportunity to probably take some of that on. Yeah, exactly. And and really depending on the person at the end of the day, because there are certainly, there's a lot of psychiatrists and therapists that has, um, did not have that burden. Others, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're dealing with social workers, right? They're obviously dealing with very heavy things. However, they manage to do it, right? Yeah. Without, because there's so many things that we're never really trained or taught. There's no such thing. We just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Just like so many things in life, right? It's so true. <laughs> it's so right? true. Sink or swim. Sink or swim. Hey there, my fellow food lovers. Are you ready for a mealtime transformation? Introducing the Cook, Connect, and Conquer Club. For just $37 a month, you get access to monthly workshops, all the replays, connect with fellow women in a vibrant community, access to exclusive events, and build your own personal resource library full of recipes, meal planners, handouts, and more. It's not just about cooking. It's about creating memorable mealtime moments and boosting your kitchen confidence. Check out our website and join the Cook, Connect, and Conquer Club today. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. even with cooking, right? Like yeah. if you have a grandma to teach you how to do the X, you know, when the first time I tried to cook a turkey, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know, I'll try to read the internet, but until it happens. Right. Well, and like, for me, I'm self-taught. Nobody taught me how to do that. Like mm-hmm. until I started playing with it and experimenting and then taking cooking classes and watching the Food Network, which I was obsessed with. So yeah, you either figure it out if you don't have that person there to show you along the way. Yeah. And the big part of it is also depends on what kind of kitchen you have. Some people's yeah. ovens are funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. gas stove is very different than electric. And I'm so blessed that I refuse to cook on electric stove. Right. Yes, never <laughs> so again. Gas stove girls. And right? Well, I mean, Instapot is a different story. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll give that excuse, but I'm not at an air fryer yet. But nonetheless, energetically, it's kind of the same thing because not the same. I can give, you know, a solution to solving a particular problem energetically. Everybody is going to experience differently. Okay. And really depending on what type of consciousness genetics and, and compositions. And conditioning. It's, it's a, condi- yeah, there's, it's really a lot more complicated in terms of how our energy system is built and what kind of burdens we brought in from other lives, from past lives, from, from ancestral inheritance. Yeah, it's just fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, so the, the box is really, really big. And a lot of times those who are ready, spiritual seekers, already have that neck, that eye to wait, wait a minute, something is not quite as it seemed, then would have dived deeper into it. And same thing for the wellness practitioner, right? Because a lot of them already have their own spiritual journey in whatever fashion, through meditations, through certain spiritual community or system they have studied, that they would begin to expand a little bit, going back to the science, beyond even what, like an official narrative, but rather their own person, their life, become the scientific experiment. So would you say the nature of your work or you're working with people that are already those spiritual seekers versus those that are like at the very beginning of that journey? 
You can say so. I enjoy working with empaths. Part of this because I feel like as an empath, you have no choice but to learn the skills and to kind of really, oh, you know, despite a lot of times we just want to be handed a narrative in life, like, well, we go to school, we get a job in this place, we buy a house in the car, and we'll find the right guy and <laughs> right have some kids, and that's pretty good life, right? Yeah. But for empaths, and especially they ride the waves of the energy, and they chances are there's a bigger box they won't find fulfilling. In this narrative that just handed to them, and、um, maybe some of them would peek beyond. Like there's some openings. So yes,、um, a lot of work that I do. Yes, I, I do energy healing、uh, from a variety of modalities.、Um, my, I myself have studied and gone through、um, quite a few spiritual systems that、um, kind of open the box bigger and bigger for me, and also understand the rise and falls and the pitfalls of the different system that perhaps people have. Stuck on as we try to find our guru, our teachers, our what resonate and what can help them to find that fulfillment or that spiritual enlightenment, whatever that means to the person. So yes, I enjoy especially working with people that who have already have that inklings, and sometimes、yeah. it's only their own knowing.、It、doesn't mean that they have to be in any systems or who are kind of jaded,、okay. been around the block, or those that who are ready to open up. That has to learn about the spirituality aspect of it because it really ties into the energetics of it. Yeah, definitely. And I was asking because for anybody who's listening, who's now like, "Oh, that's interesting," but maybe they're just really early on that path. Do you have any recommendations、mm-hmm. for how they can get started, or should they just get in contact with you? Everybody has a very unique spiritual path, and the timeline it's also varied.、Um, I've seen people, like especially the last few years, they literally just kind of opened up and woken up, you know, from spirit, whatever you call it, and pursued all these things and get a lot of realizations over a very short amount of time. For me, it's a very slow burn over twenty something plus years. And if anything, <laughs> I would actually didn't even realize a lot of things that I have come across that I didn't know that probably started my spiritual journey probably since I was six years old. I did not know that at the time. Yeah,、uh, I, th- I see that a lot as I look back.、Um, yeah. You know, whether it's my own journey or even the journey of our children, you notice that, like, oh, that led to this. That was a stepping stone for this, and you know, you had no idea at the time, but can recognize it at later. So the best way, as you said, it's really take a snapshot of what kind of challenge you're dealing with right now, what kind of breadcrumbs you have picked up along the way, what kind of things that sparks your interest. What kind of things that you despise, right? And I'm more than happy to to, to chat because, and, and I'm scary because I actually by now I personally have to pick up a lot of things and give up a lot of old ideas、mm-hmm. that I have learned and loved, and kind of see beyond the different layers of it. So I address a lot of nuance on many. Many higher dimensional reality than just like okay, this is black and white. If you study this, you'd be a good person. You're good to go, <laughs> you know. And even our own journeys really depends on ties into a lot of factors of who we are. And I think one of the biggest gifts that we can give ourselves is to really, really look into and remembering who we truly are, beyond、yeah. the name, beyond the label, beyond the whatever meat suit that we're carrying.、Mm-hmm. And、um, for some, that's a very worthwhile discovery. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. And but it, it's not an overnight discovery. It, like you said, it's years in the making, right? And、yeah. always a work in progress. It is. It's absolutely a work in progress. And I think it takes a while. It doesn't matter what stage you are at or where you think you are. And sometimes it's frustrating.、It、comes with the typical stories that we listen to in、yeah. on a movie, right? It has its frustrations, its reward, but nonetheless, 
as you progress, you can actually look back and be like, wow, okay, it's a lot of the challenges is not for naught. The, and actually some of the craziest quote unquote, like things that happens, like give me the biggest stories to tell or the most biggest learnings. And I think we can all relate to that. And as long as we're not fall into the heaviness of it and find the lightness of it. Yeah. And then we can yeah. evolve. We can continuously create better for ourselves. As you talk about like giving up old ways and things that you loved in order to continue this journey. I know you mentioned that you've been on a journey from being a meat eater to a vegetarian for those energetic reasons. Yeah. How have you found that that dietary shift has impacted your overall energy and well-being? For me, again, I would also preface that everybody is different and I still don't know how that would change for me, but I have not noticed any different at all. Okay. I was eating a lot of vegetables anyway for the longest mm-hmm. time and even for a long time, a lot of my friends are vegan, gluten-free. So whenever I cook, it has to be vegan, gluten-free anyway, mm-hmm. even though I love good also buco and you know any kind mm-hmm. of stew and meat, stew, vegetables. That's like my comfort food. That's like my go-to to making and even going out to enjoy. Uh, love steak. <laughs> I'm glad I've done <laughs> all that before that I decided. So on a physical level, I didn't have any difficulties. Okay. And I also have learned that there are people who are like, oh, 20-year vegan. They could hardly can sleep. And their Chinese medicine doctor advised them to like, no, just have to eat like a little meat. And then the first day that they finally do it, that's the first time they they sleep. Yeah, you hear, I mean, there's just so much noise out here, right? About you should Mm -hmm. eat this way or that way. And, you know, whether it's plant-based or raw or Mm -hmm. vegan or vegetarian or there's just, it's, I had to ask the question because there's so much out there about like, this is how you should eat for the best operation of your body. And I truly believe that that's different for every single body. And so to lay those statements out there is really interesting. And I have friends that are like, well, I'm vegetarian now, but I really want to go vegan. And we haven't had the conversation as to why that transition, like what's driving that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think a lot of it in a lot of cases is hearing that, well, I've heard that this is better for me. Maybe Mm. it's a belief or an affinity for the treatment of animals. So, you know, Mm. everybody's paths and reasons are their own. But that's why I asked, because I've heard so much about, you know, you'll feel better if you do it this way. Maybe I won't. Maybe you will or vice versa. Right. Totally. And I think by now, and as I even dive into some of the different energy work, uh, yeah, there are certain people because of their energetic makeup ties into a much deeper philosophy of what they really comprise of. Mm-hmm. beyond the cells, beyond the what we think of who we are. Uh, yeah, some people that will not thrive at all unless they eat meat. And there are all the different type of food ties into certain different energetics. So, I mean, you and I talk about we are cop friends. We have mm-hmm. like, I mean, pasta, <laughs> rice, I mean, I'm Asian. Like, you know, I can give up meat, no problem. Give me up rice and pasta oh, yeah. and noodles. No. I've done that. It was difficult. So the grains of the world were kind of brought into... Uh, this world for a very specific energy reason. So it's actually not so nice if you kind of look at it. But nonetheless, I'm kind of still stuck eating it. I love it. So to me, rice is a very healing food. I love it. But I definitely know that when I need more protein, I know when I need carbs, my -hmm. husband can go low carb and like, he's fine for like long periods of time. Like he clearly Mm -hmm. doesn't need the same. Yeah. And so it's also really makes it really fun to to yeah. meal plan and cook when one wants to be keto and one doesn't, but we figure it out. We managed pretty well. We managed pretty well. And yes. there's kids wanting to eat other things and yeah, it has his own game idea. So I would offer a couple things here. Number one, 
I begin to put together like uh, using dowsing to decide what is the right food to eat. Mm, tell me a little bit more about that. Essentially, it's dowsing. Sometimes it's also explains that uh, kinesiology, muscle testing. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you are you know using your physical intelligence to identify what is actually the right food for you. I mean, you actually can use that for many things, from finding looking for water in the land to clearing energy burden to healing diseases to ask answering any questions. And in this case, if we ask the right questions, it has to do with what is the right food to eat? I just had another conversation with somebody about this, but it was much more, I mean, along the same lines, but the exercise was much more about, is this food I'm about to eat good for me? So tell me a little bit more about how to ask the right questions. I guess this mm. is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I use charts and lists. Okay. Yeah, and that can get, this probably get a little complicated to explore here. And especially um, when you use a lot of times in the beginning with even the dowsings or any types of kinesiology, we only ask answering like a yes, no question. Mm-hmm. So a yes, no can be, and can be a weak yes, right? As there's difference yeah. between, right? A weak yes, yes, but it's a weak, or maybe it's a strong no. So when when you expand the, using the muscle testing skill set to get a little further, to be able to answer not just like a yes, no binary, but like a quality, quantity and quality. Yeah. Okay. And also, there's a lot of layers to it, learning to ask the right questions, because the diet that we're talking about, and this applies to supplements, which I was doing actually for supplements as well, because how long does it need to be on? Is it for this week? Is it for a month? Is it for the coming year? When do I have to check to revisit? Because we change, right? Absolutely. And it depends on what we actually put in that also uh, modified. So it, it's more of a lifestyle to do that. It's not like one time, like, oh, I, it's it's like you look at your astrology chart, you find, you know, this is how you're supposed to be, and then you're all set. <laughs> no, um, I think no. it's a lot more dynamic process, but um, it's a worthwhile process that to explore. Yeah. So your approach to food, as we've been talking about, goes beyond nutrition and really jumps into the energetics of what we consume. Can you explain a little bit about how our food and drinks carry unique energies and why it's essential that we are mindful of those? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of layers of that. Um, number one, like if you think of food, a lot of food has lots of water. Think of watermelons, yeah. right? Or even meat mm-hmm. has water. We have water. Those waters carry memories, carries energy. I love one of the meditations that I've done very early on in my yoga training. It's a food meditation. And we kind of explored a lifespan of a food from a seed that grow in a farm that has certain energetics, meaning, you know, how are the soil? What's in the land? Are the land healthy? I'm talking beyond whether it's highly nutrients with the right water, the right amount of sun, but also what kind of atrocities has happened in the land? Or is the land loving and in a loving, beautiful farm? There's no pesticides, right? Or versus mm-hmm. it was like a war zone that in the previous renditions, right? Those things that whatever food growing, imagine that carried an energy, right? And then depends on who are the farmers, who are the one attending, exchanging energy, tending to it. Yeah, it really takes that idea of being grateful for your food and for where it comes from to a to a completely different level. Yeah. Are they loving farmers? Are they like just greedy merchants, right? And then, <laughs> and then once they picked up, they go through different people's hands. And depending on who they pass through and what they carry, 
it touches them and then goes through transportation, right? Like, yeah. did it go? Then it picks up yeah. the axe along the way from people, from places. There's from, hundreds of touch points. Exactly. And then goes to the supermarket. And then there's more people and more places. And then if it goes into a kitchen, are the chefs cooking? Are they upset? Are they dealing yes. with some family problems at home and while they're cooking? Yeah, you, you get the point. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Like, I'm a firm believer in that the energy that you put into your food comes out and how it tastes for sure. Uh, absolutely. So I've been probably for at least a dozen years clearing energy off of food and drink before I put uh -huh. it in my mouth. Is there a way you could share that food meditation with us that we could put it in the show notes? The, the actual meditation or the clearing part? Yes, either one or <laughs> <laughs> both. Yeah, just because um, I think the meditation piece of it is an interesting aspect. I've seen a few different like, bless this bowl, be grateful for your food. But I feel like it takes it step deeper. And, and for sure. somebody who's listening, they could be interested in yeah. what that looks like. I'll create the food meditation one. I'll create both for you. The food meditation ones is more of just connecting more of so that it give us into the place, the sensitive space, the, the liminal space of really connecting with the journey of the food and like a show up in the grape in the mouth. Literally, you can have that while you are doing the meditation. But you've been doing it for so long, it comes naturally to you. Whereas somebody who's listening might not understand yeah. the steps or, yes, you know, I, like yeah. get kind of hung up on that. So I think that would be really great I, to offer in the show notes. Yeah, I would do that. And then, but okay. more importantly, the meditation the part, I actually don't do as much, mm -hmm. but it's the clearing because that's what I do. Like anytime I put things in my mouth. Yeah, that was actually um, going to be my next question. So yeah, tell yeah. us more about that. Yeah. It's interesting because it just happens so that a lot of spiritual traditions and energy healing modalities that I come across are very OCD about energy and all of them talks about clearing food. So, you know, I have since expanded on how it's done, what it's done, what's covered, as well as what is there for notice. Because for, for everyday people, we can imagine, right, the emotions, right, the purpose, the person touched the food. But for those who are sensitive to energy, or maybe they can see, they, they have other knowing and sensitivity, they may be able to holding an orange and recognize other energies that are actually beyond mental emotionals on it, other levels of dimensional life forces that actually attach to it that need to be move away <laughs> before yeah. we consume it. So that's an area to explore. But yes, I'll do a simple one um, okay. for the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like? So can you just kind of tell us a little bit about like what clearing that energy looks like without actually going through the process? Yeah. So part of it is number one, that recognizing that our ability to modify energy. So okay. in this case, we're using our hands. We're going to activate our hands. It's not a big deal. Everybody can do that. Uh, but once you recognize, register, do that. And then in different ways that you can actually project energy, evaporate energy, how to like, uh, you know, all like magnets, pull it in. I oftentimes sharing with my clients that like, no, think of like Iron Man's, Iron Man hands, <laughs> superhero <laughs> style. So literally we are, there yeah. are certain types, there are many different types of ways to do energy clearing uh, and therefore different level of stuff. So one level is literally, even as we moving stuff around us, because the energy is all around inside of us. You know, it's a lot of thought forms are here when we get rid of it. So clearing energy of food, it's literally like I would wave my hands around it with very certain specific intent and also very specific like clearing protocol to get rid of a certain energy and then restructure it. Like to restructure it according to what is best for me. So cool. This is fascinating. Lindy, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been really enlightening and just makes you think about things a little bit deeper, right? Than where we typically are thinking about 
food. Um, and I really appreciate that. Tell us um, where everybody can get in touch with you, how to follow you and about anything that you have going on that you want mm. to be aware of. Yes. Um, find me on my website, glendayoun.com. And I'm also on Instagram, also under Get Blended Young. What I'm most excited to share upcoming is I have a course called, right now, the level two course is called Everyday Energy Hygiene for the Sensitive Soul. So it is for those who are um, recognizing that they are being drained from work, drained from family, even though they don't want to admit it, but recognize the roller coaster of energy and emotions when they're dealing with people, dealing with work. So those are really entry-level ways to really understand what is really there that drained us and how to prepare before the incident, before any kind of sensitive race situations, how to handle it during, because sometimes you just find yourself in the middle of it, and more importantly, how to clean up. And how to clean up quick. So, and then I'll be having an advanced energetic self-defense course coming up that will dive a lot deeper into open the bread box about how to dig into like protections and shielding. And more importantly, using the dowsing. I mentioned about learning mm-hmm. how to use the pendulum to do our own clearing work because the biggest protections, it's not necessarily just like block and tackle. It's not like going to the war, but it's really how to clean up your own detriments that we don't even realize that we carry that a lot of times um, having the resonance with some of the difficult things that we encounter. Wonderful. Well, great. We'll make sure that all of Glendy's um, links are in the show notes with that you can check out all the things that she talked about and get in touch with her Wendy, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It's been so fun to have you here and just a really interesting conversation. And I think it's going to be really fun to put this one back to back with the other conversation I was telling you about, because she talked a lot about the testing of the food and if it's in a way she could tell if it was good or bad for you, but to follow it up with this one for anybody who's interested in clearing the energy of their food, I think it'll be really interesting to have those back to back. So I'm excited for these episodes to drop and anything else that you want to share with us before we sign off for the day? Oh, well, one more thing, even though if we don't do any clearing work, you can always raise the vibrations of the food by infusing what your intent, your highest intentions in it. Yes, I love that. That is actually so much what I speak about in my programs is Mm -hmm. the intention that you're putting behind, whether it's meal planning or cooking or serving the food and the conversation at the table, because just those small shifts can go a long way. You don't Mm -hmm. have to go this far with it. But if by all means that interests you, then do dive into it again. It's finding your own path and what speaks and what works for you. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much. And listeners, I will talk to you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go hit that follow button, subscribe, leave us a review. And if you're ready to change what mealtime looks like for you, breaking that cycle of chaos and having more fun in the kitchen, build some confidence and discover your love of cooking, schedule your free Dish with Trish call at the link in the show notes. We'll chat a few minutes and you'll walk away with personalized strategies to take your mealtime routine from tired to inspired. See you next time.